This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester. I'm not really a big fish guy, to tell you the truth. I'm more of a pastrami corned beef kind of guy. And I'm Av Sarensky, and I have no idea who my real parents are. I just know it's not those two nuts. Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today to discuss Season 5, Episode 1, The Larry David Sandwich, which originally aired on September 25th, 2005. So Curb took about a year and a half uh, off the air between Season 4 and Season 5. We only took one week here on this podcast, and we're back this week. But Av, it's just you and I. We got no guests this week. No guests. No, uh, no special anything. Although, you know, I did note that last night was the was the NBA draft. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm sure you share my frustration as neither of our teams um, selected the Jewish player and instead picked some stupid Gentile. I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah. Gentiles are probably better basketball than Jews on average. I mean, that's what they say. But I mean, (laughs) I, you know, no one's ever tried an all Jewish team. So I think it was worth a shot. Um, I think our teams made a trade, though. So that's exciting. Yes, your team. Uh, well, I didn't know. I didn't know that you were uh, so back on the Knicks bandwagon. But I guess with the tremendous success of yesterday, where they traded, what was it, twenty-seven and thirty-eight for twenty-five and thirty-three or something? Like yeah, that? something like that. But then I think they traded whoever they got. So I don't even know. Yeah, and then they then they took a guy at twenty-five, but they could have got a thirty-three. So yeah, yeah. Once the four two steps back. Uh, yeah, um, you know, I wouldn't say I'm on any sort of bandwagon, but you know, yeah. I, I I I like to check in on the draft and then lose interest until the following year's draft. Yeah, people are here for our basketball takes, probably. So, I think so. Let's uh, let's jump to curb. Yeah, let's do that. Speaking of jumping, so uh, Larry is uh, jumping around, flailing about in the ocean, swimming. All of a sudden, a big wave comes and uh, knocks him off his feet, and he's struggling to stay above the water. Um, you know, he, he kind of cries out to God, and eventually he, uh, he struggles and finds his way back to shore. And he's, uh, we cut ahead, and he's at a dinner party with some friends, and he's relaying the story of everything that happened. And he, he views this as a story of divine intervention where he called out to God and he was saved. Uh, Susie thinks that maybe this is a sign that Larry should start treating people better, um, you know, with his new, uh, newfound lease on life. Mm-hmm. Um, Larry doesn't really uh, agree with this framing because uh, he views himself as be- already being very nice to people. Yeah. Um, and you know, everyone seems to be happy to have Larry still around and they toast a Lachaim to him, uh, which literally means to life. So, you know, they're toasting apropos. to his, uh, to his apropos, yeah, to his yeah. life. That first scene, um, by the way, is such an unusual opening for, a, uh, an episode, let alone a season of Curb. 
Larry, you know, we know he's not a big ocean guy in season. What was it two when he goes to the beach and he sees his therapist in the uh, in the banana hammock? He, he really only goes because he knows Cheryl wants to go. And here, Cheryl doesn't seem to be at the beach with him. So what's he doing there? Yeah. So um, I'm, a, I'm famously a very anti-beach person. Yes. Uh, although it's been pointed out to me that a lot of the downsides of going to the beach, of which there are many, being attacked by the sun, having to schlep stuff, having sand in your body for a minimum of 72 hours. Um, some of them are still present, but a lot of them are removed if you go by yourself. And just like basically like go with like a backpack and a chair uh, without like family or, or even – just like just by totally by yourself, like unencumbered, um, really can improve the situation. So maybe Larry is in that camp of people who hate the beach because of the whole ordeal of it. But if he could just go by himself and easy, go swimming for a little bit, leave, um, maybe he's he's uh, not a, not opposed to it. Hmm. Perhaps. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I, I've said this in the past. Yeah, obviously going with the kids is annoying and, and you know, dragging all the stuff to the beach is annoying. But like that feeling of being out in the middle of the water away from all other humanity is is very enjoyable to me. I get like 10 minutes of that every time I go to the beach and it's my favorite 10 minutes of, of the trip, basically. Yeah. Uh, well, it's also be very scary, especially if you almost die. Yes. Well, yes, obviously, if you almost die, that's that's not as good. Um, yeah. yeah. And then we get to the party and we never learn like what party is this? Whose house is Larry at? He's holding court to this large crowd. It's unclear who the host is. It's unclear why they're there. Uh, yeah, same question. Uh, we don't know who it, whose house it is. We don't know. The, uh, all we know is that the Davids and the Greens have carpool together, uh, which we'll later learn. Uh, but yeah, I agree. No, there's there's no information given to us about what this party is or where. Yeah. So now Jeff walks over uh, to Larry to uh, have a discussion about the upcoming. Yeah. Holidays. So. Yeah. So um, he wants to know if uh, Jeff is going to uh, high holiday services this year. Jeff says, of course, he's going. You know, it's the biggest day of the year. Larry is going to be for God. Um, Jeff is like, yeah, you know, but, you know, you're going to need tickets and tickets are all God. Turns out that high holiday services are the hottest ticket in town since that random Dodgers game for last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the good news is Jeff uh, says, you know, I'll try to make some calls, see what I could uh, put together for you. Maybe I can get you in. Uh, meanwhile, Larry is complaining that the handle on his teacup is too small and he can't fit his finger through. And Jeff is telling him, hey, I was just in Leo's Deli and they have a new sandwich and it's named after you. It's uh, it has some whitefish and sable and capers and onions and cream cheese. And Larry thinks that this sounds like a disgusting sandwich. Mm. Yeah, Larry's not a big fish guy. Yeah. Um, by the way, I just want to point out for our Gentile listeners, you know, I, I'm not familiar with this temple to the stars, but there's no synagogue in which you need a ticket six months in advance. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly, um, at the, at the synagogues that I go to, um, it's, a, it's a, at most three months in advance that you have to book your high holidays, uh, which is, oh, all, I, I was going to say very... in a couple of weeks, but, oh, no, d- depends on the, on the shul there, like my parents shul, like they, like basically like right after Passover, you just have to get in your money for oh, high so holidays. Then that is they fill up. Oh, okay, fine. So then you're, yeah. All right. Uh, I mean, it's. It, it's very unlikely that it will get to the point where like you literally can't get in for a seat yeah. if you, you know, where you have to like scalp outside. Obviously this is a ridiculous uh, scenario, but there are many, there are many places where you really need to uh, get, if you want to be like in like the main sanctuary and get a good seat or like, you know, your usual seat, you need to like have your application in and buy a pretty, uh, 
early deadline. You know, think of these like big synagogues that have tons of different rooms with different services and like a thousand people. Uh, it's a lot of work to uh, put that all together. Yeah. Um, you uh, mentioned the uh, the fish sandwich that Larry's not a big fan of. What would be in an Obstinensky sandwich? Um, it's funny you asked that. Zach Brooks uh, asked a similar question in the uh, in the mailbag, which we'll get to later. But I guess we can talk about it now. Um, I have been eating a sandwich recently that is like not far off from this. Um, mm. I happen to be a big fan of the smoked fish. Okay. Um, um, I wouldn't, I, you know, I, I, I love white fish. I love white fish, uh, white fish salad. Um, uh, but the sandwich I've been eating almost every day for the last like two months is a, an everything, uh, bagel or Bialy or some sort of everything, uh, spi- uh, seeded, uh, bread with, uh, cream cheese mm-hmm. and smoked locks mm-hmm. and an, an, uh, an omelet on top. An omelet on top. Ooh, that's yeah. interesting. It's really delicious. So I, I enjoy putting locks in my omelets for sure. Yeah. So I used to do that. I used to order that a lot. The Leo, the classic Leo, which should be at Leo's Deli, the uh, lox, egg, and onion. Oh, sandwich. I didn't know that. That's known as a Leo. Yeah. Lox, eggs, and onions. Uh, so oh, oh I yeah. Realized, kind of Leo. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, so what I've discovered for myself, at least, is that I enjoy the lox and the eggs together, but not the, with the lox cooked in. I like the lox cold as like a topper mm. more than cooked in. Why do eggs. you want something cold in 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 in? in... And I don't know. I'm just telling you, it, it, it tastes delicious. The cream cheese is cold. The lox is cold. The eggs in the middle is hot. It's really good. All right. I'll take your word for it. Uh, this actually reminds me. Um, have you ever seen the show? Uh, you know, Phil Rosenthal from Everyone Loves Raymond. Which one is he? He's the guy who created the show. Oh, OK. So, OK, sure. So he has a show, a travel show on Netflix called Somebody Feed Phil. OK. Have you ever seen it or no? Okay, so he has a travel food show, you know, like the Anthony Bourdain type show. Phil Rosenthal's whole shtick is that he's like the most like he's the nicest guy in Hollywood and everybody loves him. And he always got a big smile on his face. So he travels around the world and he, uh, you know, and he meets his friends from all these countries. Usually it's usually he travels to countries and he meets with the people who created the uh, the local domestic version of Everyone Loves Raymond. So there was like okay. a Russian version, an Israeli version. So anyways, uh-huh. in, the, in the episode where he goes to Israel, and I'd recommend you watch it, uh, the, all, the whole series. But this episode, you know, obviously it will be more particularly appealing to you, I think, and to me and to people of our ilk. Um, he goes to Israel and uh, he learns about a sandwich, a pickled herring sandwich from a kiosk in a food hall in Tel Aviv um, the, called Sherry Herring. And he has this Sherry Herring sandwich and he declares, Phil does, that it is the best sandwich that he's ever eaten in his entire life. Wow. Which which is is quite a thing for a foodie who literally travels around the world for Netflix trying gourmet food. It's a pretty, you know, huge fucking endorsement. Um, yeah, you know, and obviously, you know, uh, you and I, an idiot like Akiva, who has the taste of a child, would never eat a herring sandwich. But you just said that you appreciate it. And I to me, like my basic approach is as an adult, if I hear something is declared the best sandwich in the world and it's kosher and I'm going to be in that location, I'm obviously going to get that sandwich. Yeah, I mean, if somebody says it's the best in the world, you should yes. try it. Yeah, that's... exactly. Like, yeah, because I mentioned Akiva. Akiva's like, oh, that's disgusting. Who would eat it? It's fish. And I'm like, how can you not even try it? So anyway, last time I was in Tel Aviv, I made a point of going there. I organized, like, we were going to be in Tel Aviv for one day, and I, I organized the entire day around ensuring that we would get to the food hall before closing <laughs> so I could get the sandwich. Yeah. Um, to my horror, when I arrived, I discovered that the Sherry Herring had closed early that day for some reason. It was my last day in Tel Aviv. I wasn't getting another chance. So very, very upsetting. However, uh, there's a happy ending to the story because the gods smiled upon me and a friend of mine uh, heard about this uh, this uh, desire of mine to try the sandwich and my near miss. And so unsolicited, this friend of mine uh, went to Tel Aviv the next day, picked up the sandwich, drove out to where I was the next day and delivered it to me. So wow. you know, a greater kindness has never been bestowed upon me. So uh, to my friend Sharon, thank you very much. Uh, you are a, a righteous 
a righteous woman. Anyway, um, I so I did. Wait, have and how 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 was the sandwich? Yeah, well, I'm you know I mentioned the bisque. Uh, the sandwich honestly it was a little cold and not as fresh by the time it got to me because she you know picked it up and then I got it several hours later. Right. So I would say it was very good. I wouldn't call it the greatest sandwich I've ever eaten, but it was enjoyable. Yeah. And, yeah, and I once I, had I will try to make a point of getting it fresh um, next time I, I'm in Tel Aviv, if, if there is a next time. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, I once went to uh, Russ and Daughters, the famous uh, Lower, East, Lower East Side locale, mm-hmm. and they, they have a cafe there where I had a, uh, a herring platter and a white fish and sable sandwich, uh, um, although they did not call it the Larry David sandwich. Uh. Uh, but it was super delicious. Uh, but, you know, you have to be a fan of smoked fish. Um, you know, it's very uh, particular. So if, if it's not your thing, you're not going to like it. But if, if you do. It can be a delicious sandwich. Yeah. By the way, the weird thing to get back into the episode for a second about Leo's Deli is Leo's Deli is a place that Larry uh, professes to frequent, you know, every week. He goes there all the time. And therefore, it'd be understandable that Leo says, hey, here's a celebrity who comes to my restaurant all the time. I'm going to name a sandwich after him. But Leo doesn't even tell Larry that. Larry finds out through Jeff, through a third party, which is a little bit odd. Yeah. Um, if he's going right. in all the time, wouldn't Leo come up to him and say, hey, you know what? You're here all the time. I'm going to give you a sandwich. Right. Um, yeah. You would think that like they, they would like even ask permission for someone before like using their name for a sandwich. Sure. Um, but yeah, you would think he would know. You think this is because of Larry's big hit on the producers that now he's like even mm. more like he, now he's really famous. Even yeah, in he's the not just world. behind the scenes guy. Yeah. yeah. Like he actually earned the right to a sandwich. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. So um, just at this moment, this uh, little kid comes running through the house. Then knocks into Larry, knocks the drink onto the floor. Get the the, the store gets uh, stained, and uh, a woman comes in. Presumably, this is the uh, woman of the house, and she wants to know what happened. Larry explains, you know, he bumped into me, uh, but the kid's like, no, I didn't bump into him. Completely denies it, um, and the mom uh, believes Larry. Uh, sorry, believes the kid, and basically gives Larry this uh, disgusted look, like I can't believe you spilled your drink on my carpet. Um, so Larry's very upset. Yeah, Cheryl Larry comes really over. needs to stop going to evening parties with kids around. Right? Either he's giving them awkward hu- hugs in the bathroom or he's cutting yeah. the heads off their dolls or he's telling them he loves tits. It never goes well. Yeah. Um, so uh, Cheryl comes over. Larry's like, all right, let's get out of here. I've had enough of this party being attacked by kids. Um, but when Susie hears this, she's very upset because she's not ready. She's still having a good time. Jeff hasn't even eaten anything yet. And basically, I was like, listen, we're leaving. Uh, sorry, I know we carpool with you, but, you know, try to get a ride home. And worst case scenario, give me a call and I'll come back and get you, which they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll believe that when we see it. They basically feel like they're being stranded at this party, although it should be pretty easy for them to find a ride. Like presumably a bunch uh, drove and live roughly in the same general neighborhood. So I'm not too worried about them. Um, so we're back home and Larry and Cheryl get it on in the bed. And the phone rings and Cheryl's like, you better not answer that. Um, Larry's like, yeah, but it might be Jeff calling about the tickets, which I thought was funny because I assumed it was going to be, oh, maybe it's Jeff calling to say we need you to come pick us up, which would actually yeah. be like, hey, like I need to answer the phone. Like, well, so, so when is this there. phone call? Is this literally the night of like, first of all, is this the same night as the party? I think it's the same night, but I guess and it could be like also, hours later. Is this the night of the holiday? Is it Rosh Hashanah evening? Is synagogue the next morning? Um, I don't know. Because That's otherwise, like, why does Larry need to interrupt the sex to answer the call with the temple tickets? Can't, right? He could call later the next day. That, and also, like, why is Jeff calling that very same night to say that he tried and failed? Like, how could he have tried so hard if it's the same evening? Like, Larry asked him to look. Did every single person yeah. Jeff was going to check answer their phone and gave Jeff, Jeff an immediate no? So my assumption is maybe that it's Rosh Hashanah evening there. That dinner party is like a Rosh Hashanah party of some sort. Not uh-huh. that people really do that. And then um, and the next morning is when they're going to synagogue, because otherwise it doesn't make sense that Jeff needs to call right away and that Larry needs to uh, interrupt right. sex to answer. 
Yeah, that could be. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Jeff's like, sorry, there's no tickets, uh, but you know, maybe you could try to scalp because that's a thing. Um, so yeah. Larry hangs up and he tries to just continue right where they left off, but Cheryl's not having it. She, you know, we're done. Um, so Larry does this little mini rant about intercourse, the holy intercourse. It must not be interrupted. It's a, very so important, the intercourse. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, Cheryl doesn't find this uh, convincing. Yeah. So uh, now it's we're yeah. So it can't be that it can't be that it was Russia shot up because now we're already it's the next day and they're just like roaming you know in the in the deli. Well, it, this could be it, this all could be one. Day. I guess you, you could be. You go to the deli for breakfast, for breakfast and then you go to services. Like, I, don't I know, guess. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> so it doesn't really make too much sense. Yeah, I think don't we think could just uh, toss continuity out here. Yeah. Um, so they're at you know they're at Leo's. They're having the sandwich. His dad is raving about the sandwich. Basically says this is the first time I've ever been proud of you, son. It's, it's uh, such let- a classic. You know, you know Larry's dad being proud about his son's sandwich and his son's number one hit show or five hundred million dollars. Right. It's like classic insane Jewish parents. Yeah. Um, Larry doesn't even really like the sandwich. Uh, Leo comes over. He gives Larry a very aggressive handshake to the point that Larry's like uh, uh, in a ton of pain. Um, Larry thanks her for the sandwich, but you know, when Leo asks him, Oh, do you like it? He's like, Eh, I'm not a big fish fan. I prefer pastrami and corned beef, maybe even tongue. Hmm. Um, I'm not, I'm not really into tongue. No, tongue is terrible, except it's funny when you take it and like you stick it out your tongue, like your mouth. Um, so it's like looks like your tongue and it is a tongue, yes. Um, yeah, no, tongue is really gross because it's like it has like the ridges on it, yeah, it's got like, bumps. You can, yeah, it's, I don't want taste buds uh, on, my, on the food that I'm eating, yeah, it's very unappetizing, yeah. Uh, but yeah, cor- corned beef and pastrami, you can't go wrong. Yes. Um, so Larry's uh, Larry has an idea. What if I got someone to trade sandwiches with me and then I can have a better sandwich and they'll take my uh, terrible uh, sable and whitefish sandwich. And Leo's like, okay, listen, if you find somebody willing to trade, what do I care? Um, Larry's like back at the table. He wants to, like, you know, look how this guy's treating me. He's not even giving me the sandwich that I like, but he doesn't even realize that his dad is basically choking. He can't say a word. And before it's too late, uh, we see an ambulance come and Larry runs back in to grab some mints before uh, headed over to the hospital. Very much like the uh, the Jujus. Yes. Uh, I mean, there's multiple episodes of uh, incidents of this, both on Seinfeld and Curb. You're there anyways. Grab the food. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like a two-second delay. Yeah. Um, so we're at the hospital, and we learned from the doctor that uh, Larry's dad had a mild stroke, but don't worry, he's going to be fine. Uh, Larry's theory that he wants the doctor to confirm is that maybe it's this horrible sandwich that he was eating that could have caused the stroke. And the doctor's like, well, you know, I guess it's theoretically possible. Like, he, like, actually out this, like, crazy scenario of how it could have happened, and Larry's like, yeah, we're going to run with that. It was the sandwich. Uh, the doctor mentions, by the way, you know, I'm a big Seinfeld fan and, you know, I'd be happy to do the surgery myself. Normally, I would outsource it to some, you know, resident or intern or, you know, young and competent person. But because it's you, I'm going to do it myself. And oh, by the way, I, you're a golfer. We should play golf sometime. Right. Uh, which Larry's not uh, excited about. But, I, you know, figures he has to take one for the team in order to help his dad get this uh, outstanding medical care. Uh, so Larry heads in to see his dad and he's like sitting at his bedside trying to like nurse him and he's uh, lamenting the evil whitefish that did this to his father. Uh, the father is like half awake, half asleep, but he asks him to come close so that he could hear uh, something he wants him to say. And Larry first he thinks that he's telling him that he's a doctor, but uh, on further uh, inspection realizes that what his father is actually saying is that he's adopted. Um, 
which uh, he, he doesn't have a chance to follow up on before a nurse uh, scurries him out of the room and makes him leave. And Larry's uh, walking around the hospital, going over to different random doctors and nurses, telling them that he's adopted and he has a very obvious smirk on his face. He's very excited about this possibility. So we, uh, I guess it's later in the day and we're, uh, we're on the set of some show that Ted is filming. And Larry and Jeff are uh, standing on the side, you know, watching the scene. And Larry's filling Jeff in on this news about the adoption and that he always suspected that I might be adopted because the only thing that I ever had in favor, had in common with my parents was that we both had the same penmanship. Yeah. It's Uh, it's insane to me that Larry would be so excited to hear that he may be adopted. Like, even if even if he doesn't want to be related to these wackos, wouldn't his first reaction be anger that his parents had held this from him his entire life? Yeah, it's like especially like this point in your life for like this is just like going to be like confusing information. Like there's nothing to really yeah. be done about it. It doesn't really I guess it, you know, your mom is dead, your dad's about to die. Like you're not going to like go unearth these like mystery parents now like when you're in your 60s probably. Maybe he will. Um, yeah, assuming they're even like still like yeah, I mean it's just it's it's a weird thing to be like excited about, but I guess like he just likes the idea of no longer having like the baggage associated with you know his parents and their craziness um but yeah i don't know um so ted comes over basically says yeah this show is terrible i hate it um larry brings up the sandwich and asks if ted would be willing to trade ted is basically like yeah sure whatever i don't give a shit um what's the sandwich and larry starts telling him and uh much to his uh, chagrin jeff is filling him in on even more details uh he's sure to point out the capers and, and the onions and ted's like yeah this sandwich sounds like it sucks so i don't really think i want that sandwich uh, Larry's like, well, at least go taste the sandwich, but Ted refuses, and they just start yelling at each other, and uh, nothing is resolved. So now we're at Shul, and By Larry. Way, I do love the way that Larry looks at Jeff as Jeff keeps detailing that. <laughs> right, he's like, no, don't don't tell him about the capers. <laughs> he's like, oh, it's good. It's got some whitefish. Whitefish is delicious. Uh, maybe there's some sable in there, and you know, and Jeff's like, and, and capers, and cream cheese, and like you just see like with, with each one, Ted's like. Phase six a little bit. Um, so Larry arrives at Shul. We see uh, Spiros Vandas from The Wire. He's waiting outside. He's scalping tickets. And we, we've had a good amount of uh, overlap with Curb and The Wire over yes. the years. Um, so Larry decides uh, he negotiates a little and he settles on two great seats for $300. So uh, certainly Larry is uh, better equipped to scalp tickets than he is to buy weed, we've learned. Mm-hmm. Um we see the uh, the little kid from the other night passing by. They kind of uh, exchange uh, ugly glances at each other. Cheryl doesn't really understand the whole fuss about this whole high holiday thing and why they're paying $300, but whatever. She's going to go along for the ride. Um, Larry is, uh, you know, mentioning the whole thing with the adoption to Susie. And Larry says, you know, every anyone who re- might know the actual truth by now is dead, except for there's one person. I had a nanny named uh, Johanna. When I was a kid and she may actually know. And I've already written her a letter to find out. Mm-hmm. Um, Larry sees uh, Richard Lewis in the distance. He's uh, talking to Leo and some other people. Um, some guy, I don't know. Do we don't even know who this guy is who comes over to talk to Larry. I didn't recognize him. Yeah, well, they will mend. Oh no. To Larry. No, we do discover who, um, who, who Richard's talking to. Yeah. So yeah. this guy comes over to talk to Larry, just say hi. And he's like, oh, is this points to Susie? And he's like, is this your wife? And Larry recoils in horror. He's like, no, 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 that's not my wife. That's my wife. Uh, Susie's, of course, very, 
very insulted the way that Larry uh, reacted to the uh, possibility that they were married. Um, but, you know, we head inside, services commence, boring singing, God, God, oh my God, thanks God, goes on. Um, Richard uh, is like, kind of, he's sitting on the road that, down the line from Larry, and he, uh, he starts whispering over to Larry. He wants to know, how were you able to get a sandwich at Leo's? Did you bribe him? I've been going there for years. How come I never got a sandwich? And their argument gets louder and louder and escalates to the point that basically the entire congregation can hear them yelling at each other. Um, security guard comes over and wants to see Larry's ticket because he's uh, he receives a tip that maybe Larry has a fake ticket and he takes a quick look at the ticket and tells Larry that he's got to go and we learn that the kid from the other night is the one who ratted him out Larry is very upset he basically says you know this is a uh, this is a Shonda for the guy you're uh, you're setting a very bad example for my Gentile wife this is her first experience in shul and what a terrible experience she's going to have she's never going to want to come back yeah, now, can um, we, Susie, what, of course. What, hold on. What proof does the security guard have? Well, maybe he looked at the ticket. And he's like, "Oh, this is this is clearly a fake." No, but it, it's not that it's fake. It's that it was. It's that it's so. It's a fake ticket. I thought that it was just a ticket that was bought by someone else, then resold. That's what a scalp ticket is usually. Well, it's usually, right? but sometimes it's fake. That's that's how scalpers make extra money. Is they sell you fake. So, tickets. so, so you think this is a fake ticket? So, so not only is this guy reselling tickets to the synagogue, he's actually producing his own artificial tickets. But then there would be someone else who wanted that seat, right? Wouldn't there be someone else showing up for the seat? Uh, right, that's a good when it point. sold out. Um, I mean, it seems to me that the only proof the security guard has is that the kid snitched on Larry, but Larry can just deny it. Like all the kids saw was Larry giving a guy some money. He has no idea what was what it was for or why he did it. I just think it's very odd how Larry concedes and leaves the temple. Um, yeah, well, the security guard is being very threatening. And, yeah. Uh, also, but, but this should go without saying. But like, while synagogues do sell tickets, like as a fundraiser for the high holidays, they're not literally throwing people out. <laughs> um. Right. Yeah. Generally, synagogues are pro people attending services and yes. try to make it work for them to yeah. attend. Um, yeah. Unless like, you know, you've, you, you, you're doing something particularly really bad. Um, but again, you know, Susie's only focus is that once again, they're going to be stranded because they carpooled with the Davids. <laughs> so it's uh, either later the next day or the day after that. And Larry and Jeff are playing golf with the doctor. Um Larry's learned from the doctor that he's recently divorced his wife and is now dating his secretary. Larry's still very focused on, you know, this message that he sent to the nanny trying to find out about the adoption. And they're watching as uh, the doctor's trying to uh, sink a putt, but he has very shaky hands. He can barely manage to get the shot off. And Larry realizes this guy has the yips. Mm. Um, Chuck Knobloch-ian. Mm. Yes, Steve so we're, we're back home and uh, Larry's telling Cheryl all about this. Obvi- you know, his obvious concern is, you know, I can't have this guy with shaky hands doing the surgery. And Cheryl's like, well, maybe it's just a golf thing. Maybe, you know, when it comes to surgery, he doesn't have this problem, which I would assume is the case because it's like he wouldn't be able to be like whatever he is, like the chief doctor, if he was like constantly fucking up surgeries. Yes. He has shaky hands. Like this one like this, like after like two times, they'd be like, okay, you can't do surgery anymore. Yes, but in Curb and in Seinfeld, you go based on the limited evidence you have, right? If a guy's sniffing, yes. it must be because he's on drugs. And if a guy yeah. is shaky while he's golf, he must be a terrible surgeon. Yeah, so Cheryl's like, you gotta call this doctor and tell him that you want to switch to somebody else. Um, you know, Larry's like, okay, but you have to like leave the room. This is, you know, very embarrassing for me to have to make this call. And Larry tries to call him, but there's no answer. And it's because the doctor, unlike Larry, doesn't pick up the phone when he's in the middle of having sex and he's having sex with his uh, young secretary and he's not going to be disturbed. Mm-hmm. Which is correct. 
So we have, yeah, so we're back in the hospital now. Uh, Dad is awake and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I never said you were adopted. You're not adopted. That's crazy. Larry, uh, he does his eye interrogation on his dad yeah. to see if he could, uh, what he could suss out. He says, okay, we'll see what Mrs. Siderman has but to hold say. Hold on, but you, you skipped the big, the big news here, which is when Larry does his eye stare on his dad, his dad flips and does it back to him. Oh, so really? ha- it's yeah, like a yeah. mirror image, which in my mind is a tell that Larry is not adopted. Although I guess you could argue that the eye stare is nurture over nature. Yeah. I mean, if his dad yeah. has been doing this all these years, then he just yeah. kept it up. But, yeah. but, but I really enjoy Larry tries to pull it on his dad and his dad is right back to him. Yeah. Um, so we're back over at Leo's and Larry comes in. He says, I want to have the Larry David sandwich. And they're like, oh, we don't sell that anymore. We changed the name to the Richard Lewis. <laughs> um now, one th- one thing that's silly here is that if the if if the person in the store knows what he's talking about, they would just make him the sandwich. They wouldn't tell him, "Oh, we don't sell that anymore. We sell the Richard Lewis now." Like, if you go into a a, a deli and order something under or like a name that is known what it is, they don't like they'll still give it to you. Well, they want you to know the updated name, though. I guess. Yeah. Um, our. Uh, you- do you, do you know that if you go to uh, the catering hall marina, you can order a drink called the Schneck? Named after who? Noam Schneck? Named after Noam Schneck. He made up a drink that he that he would you know order every time he was there. It's like a combination of different cocktails, or whatever. But, what, but like, what is in the Schneck? I don't remember. You could ask him. Okay. Well, I but right he now. like he he like he did it enough times with that like. It might not be the case anymore, but, you know, during the period of time where I guess a lot of our, us and our friends were getting married when everyone was in their 20s, mm-hmm. um, a lot of this is a very popular catering hall that there was enough uh, Orthodox weddings there that if you went in on a regular wedding and just went over to the bar and asked for a schneck, mm-hmm. they would know what you're talking about. They would make it for you. Yeah. Schneck, by the way, uh, married a woman with the same name as him. It's Noam and Naomi. Yes. Yeah. It's confusing. Very confusing. Yeah. So, yeah. See if you can find out from him. He might not even remember. Um, anyway, so we uh, okay. So you'll report back. I said, "Can you tell me what is in a schneck at the Marina Bar?" <laughs> so uh, Larry looks over. We see uh, Richard. This is, way, this, is the first, this is the first time I've ever texted him in my life. So, oh really? <laughs> yeah, he may not know who it is. Yeah, that's fine. He'll say new phone. Who this? Yeah. Um. So we see uh, Richard Lewis. He's ducking it up with some buddies at the other table. And Larry goes over to him and accuses him of stealing his sandwich. My sandwich. <laughs> In the uh, David Schwimmer voice. And uh, he says, yeah, I saw you talking to Leo at Shul. I know what you did. Um, Larry says, you know, in any event, I have some, some really big news. Turns out I'm adopted. Richard Lewis calls bullshit on this. I guess this is because this is like a uh, Larry and Richard like like tragedy off like like he's showing off that like my life is like more like shitty than yours that i have now this complicated adoption thing going on um but larry says no it's true i have no idea who my real parents are i just know it's not those two nuts uh leo overhears this and he says oh i'm also adopted and now they have a special new kingship and he tells larry you can choose any sandwich you want and i'll rename that the larry david and of course he chooses the ted danson which i believe is a uh what's it like a like a pastrami with uh, Russian dressing or something like that, a pastrami in Turkey. Um, I have an update, yeah, by the sandwich. way. Yes. But, um, a schneck is orange juice, cranberry juice, and Sprite. Oh, so there's not even any alcohol in it. Yeah, but then a, <laughs> a, a dirty schneck, which was coined by our friend Eitan Bednarsh, yes. replaces the Sprite with vodka. So it's orange juice, okay. cranberry juice, and vodka. But that's already a drink. Uh, yeah, I guess. Well, not with Sprite. 
Orange juice, cranberry juice, and vodka. Isn't that a screw? Oh, that, that's a madras. I don't know. But orange yeah. juice, cranberry juice, and Sprite is not a drink. That's a schneck. Yeah. So, yes. Um, yes. So the dirty schneck is the madras. Got it. All right. All right. So if you're ever at a marina for a wedding and you want a schneck, you yeah. can get a schneck. Really for your kids. <laughs> right. right. Or if you're driving. Orange juice, cranberry juice, and Sprite is, I'm Googling that, um, it's uh, just fizzy cranberry orange punch. There you go. Yeah, so exactly. Schneck. It's, schneck. it's a schneck. Or, or you can also call it, yes, the cranberry orange mocktail. Call, call it a schneck. Yeah. Let's get it going. Yeah, cob salad. Um, so uh, doctor, uh, the doctor comes in and he introduces him to Larry. Uh, Larry introduces him to Leo. Hold on. Can we go back for a second? I love how Larry thinks that being adopted is such a compliment that he just assumes correctly, as it turns out, that telling Richard that he's adopted while Richard is not is going to upset Richard so much. Well, as I said, I wasn't sure if it's like he's showing off because it's good or he's like showing off that it's bad because it's like they have like a misery contest. Yeah. God. Uh, but, but either way, it seems like they it just assume that they both hate their parents so much that they want to be adopted. Right, I guess. It's like, ah, yeah. I'm not related to those idiots. Yeah, again, whether it's nature or nurture, these two are both way too Jewish to be adopted. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I believe that this is going to be like a running storyline of the season is is uh, the true nature of Larry's parentage and therefore his religion. Ah, I have further update, by the way. The Schneck's peak popularity was when Shoshana Fruchter and Ayal had a wedding at the marina and ordered pictures of Schnecks for every table. <laughs> And when I told him that the uh, dirty schneck is a radio drink called the Madras, he says, well, that's Ben Narsh's problem, not mine. Yeah, I agree. The yeah. schneck is an original. You know, whatever Aton did to uh, co-opt it and just and then basically make it an already existing drink is, yeah, it's not the schneck. Yeah. Um, so uh, Leo, of course, gives his face aggressive handshake to Dr. Sewell, and we hear his hand crunch, and Larry realizes that now he's off the hook with Dr. Yips. He doesn't have to yeah. deal with his surgery uh, anymore. Yeah. So we're back home and Larry and Cheryl having sex again. The phone rings. Cheryl says, no, you better not answer this time. And turns out this time he probably should have because we see that it was Mrs. Siderman calling with the letter from Larry in his hand, in her hands saying that she has the answer to his question. And then she slowly dies. Yes. And with her dies the answer to Larry's question. Yeah. Now, what hour of the day is this final scene? Uh, it's dark in Larry and Cheryl's bedroom. Plus, we know that, that Cheryl's against afternoon sex, which she considers to be right. too kinky. Um, if it's after dark and it's Rosh Hashanah time of the year, it's you know late September, so it must be at the very earliest, let's say eight p.m., which means it's eleven p.m. in Queens. So Mrs. Siderman is really up quite late for an old lady, and she's calling yeah. way past the cutoff. Maybe it's like three a.m. in L.A. It's like middle of the night sex, and oh, so it's, it's early morning, morning in New York. Uh, that could be, I guess. So Cheryl yeah, and Larry woke up a- for a, a quickie. Yeah, and Mrs. Siderman decided to wake up early so that she could die. Mm. <laughs> Which, you know, if you're going to die, you should wake up early and get the most out of that last day. I, would I guess say. so. All right, so uh, how do you uh, rate this episode? Um, this is a fairly middle of the road. I would say maybe a notch below middle of the road. Uh, not that memorable. I mean, the Larry David sandwich is like somewhat iconic. It's probably something I've referenced. There's a lot, of, as we said, there's a lot of things in this episode that just like don't really make a lot of sense. I don't think there was like a ton of great memorable lines or memorable scenes. So I will give it a pretty, pretty, pretty good. Two and a half out of five. Yeah, basically where you are. I I say that it's 
pretty, pretty, pretty good. So I'll give it three, just a little bit ahead of you. But yeah, it's a, it's a solid episode. Usually the first episode of the season sets forth the season-long story arc. In season three, we get the restaurant. Season four, we get the producers. Season five, at least from this episode, we know that Larry thinks he may be adopted, but it's not really clear. It's not really clearly obvious like what sort of the, the overarching storyline of the season is going to be in the same way. But, you know, it's good to get any episode where you get Ted and Jeff and Richard all in one episode. That's great. All we need is the Fuckman to put together the entire pre-Leon crew. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it would be nice if the Fuckman was there because then maybe Larry could have uh, used the empty seat next to him and Shul instead of having the scalp. Mm-hmm. All right, Av, who is your come with guy? Come with guy? I'm, I'm going to go with Leo. You know, he he makes Larry a sandwich. He's happy to let him trade. I mean, obviously not great that he breaks his hand, but it is good when he breaks the doctor's hand. So, you know, we'll call that a wash. But overall, you know, he's uh, he's hooking Larry up with sandwiches. Yeah, I know. He, he's a lovable guy. He just wants to give people sandwiches and hugs and firm handshakes. Definitely, Leo is uh, definitely the come with guy here. What about worst person? Uh, the worst person to me has to be the kid. We don't know his name. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we do. His name he, is Graham. Uh, oh, his name is Graham? Okay. Yes, and I agree. Graham is the worst. Yeah, he uh, he knocks over the cup and then denies it. He rats Larry out for doing, you know, for nothing. Uh, yeah, he's, a, you know, this kid's a little jerk. Yeah. Um, Maybe this is Mike Shore's son because we know his son is a jerk. Yeah. He knocks LD's cup out at the party, which to the, we never know who the party was for, who the host was. And then the snitching. Graham really brings nothing to the table, and I wish him only the worst. By the way, he uh, did not have a great career, yeah. that actor. Ho- so. Hopefully, he will have a, a long and terrible life. <laughs> Sorry, what? He, uh, that actor uh, has had a, uh, a short and terrible career. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, uh, is it time for us to go to the mailbag? Postman! Postman, come here! Tell the neighborhood! All right. First email is from Zach Brooks. He says, I think Larry sandwich sounds good, except the capers can root it. Ted's is obviously superior. What would be on the Alex and Av sandwich? Hmm. So, yeah, we covered that earlier. You know, I said my sandwich. Uh, You, uh, I think you said you're with Larry, that you're more of a pastrami and corned beef man. Yeah, I actually did ask my wife, because my wife is always making, like, the same sandwich. So I said to her, I said, if there was going to be a Gengonic sandwich, what would be in that sandwich? And she basically said what she makes all the time, which is she uh, she takes like a, like good bread and then she puts like a hummus and feta cheese and um, banana peppers, which are gross. Yeah, banana peppers are horrible. Banana peppers are very bad. Hummus and feta cheese sounds like a terrible combination. No, it's a good combination. She makes good sandwiches, really? but but it's it's not. But I certainly wouldn't say that it's like the best sandwich. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what's the best sandwich I've ever had. I'm a big fan of like just like a, a good like fried chicken schnitzel sandwich. Like Yeah, with, that's good. Um, dressing and onions and pickles. A good, a good like pulled brisket barbecue sandwich. Yeah, of course. Is, is yeah, good, look, there's a lot of good sandwiches. Yeah. Like, you know, we don't have to, uh, I can't really plot, plot my name on one of these good sandwiches because it's sort of uh, copyrighted, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, that we have to get into whether, you know, hot dog is a sandwich. We don't want to start going on that, down that road. You know, yeah. the whole the internet has covered this at length. Yes. Uh, but of course, obviously, it is a sandwich because it's meat between bread. But. Yes, of course it is. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, so Zach gives it four and a half pretties. Uh, oh, wow. So very high in the episode. I didn't think the opening scene was great. Did but Zach tell us what would be in a Zach sandwich? Or he just wants he to know did about not. us? He just wants to know about us. Oh, okay. Um, Olin says, hope I am not late. I had TV issues. That's fine, Olin. Uh, he says, anyway, wonderful podcast and rapport with Katie last week. Highly recommend her web series, Katie Did. As for the Larry David sandwich. Actually, uh, dates a younger man named Chester in that show. Oh, really? Hmm. Um. As for the Larry David sandwich, it's pretty disgusting, even though it is the fish I hate. Having onions for some reason just makes it even worse. 
It would be between the Billy Crystal and Carrie Ryder for my favorite sandwich. Enjoy Ted Danson advice to fellow actors. Maybe be more funny in a very profile passive tone. I also like to think this is the, in the wire universe with Spiros Vandas gone to LA yes. being a scalper around the synagogue and other religious institutions in a bid to make key connections to set up channels for his drugs and illegal supplies. Yeah. So he was there, the, he was the Greeks consigliere, I think in yeah. season two of the wire. There used to be synagogues there. Yeah. <laughs> um, by the way, the caper, does the caper ever show up other than like as an accoutrement to like a lox or another kind of fish sandwich? Um, my mom used to make like a like a chicken dish that had mushrooms and capers on it, mm, and I I only know because she would refer to it as chicken with mushrooms and capers. Ah, okay, good name. Um, for but yeah, capers. But, are but like most people refer to that as the Chevy Sinetsky chicken. Yes, exactly. Uh, capers the type of thing where it's like if you don't know they're there, they're like mixed in. You might not notice them, but like if you ever just like eat a plain caper, they're like not horrible. pleasant. Yes, yeah. agreed. Um, he's um, Owen says that the villain of the week is uh, he says, I can forgive the snitching kid and we'll go with Leo. Interesting. He goes with our hero of the week is his villain of the week. Yeah. Uh, well, to be to clear, have... I wouldn't say that the come with guy is always automatically. Yeah. It's sort of like the time uh, person of the year, how right. it's been misinterpreted as an honor. Like Adolf Hitler got it in 1933. Right. It's, really it's just the, the most, most significant no- person. Most noteworthy. Yeah. Yes. Um, right. Which is why it should have been Trump for all four years. That yes. Trump, because <laughs> all the news at all the times was about Donald yeah. Trump. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously we can't give him that title because because he gave it to himself once uh, yeah, and yeah, a fake one before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Michigan, he was Michigan man of the year yes. as well. <laughs> um, did you see this uh, Giuliani press conference? It's crazy. yes, it's it's completely bonkers on so many levels. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean it's uh, it's also sad like that he doesn't have people around him who can sort of you know control him because he's embarrassing himself. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Also, he's his stylist not doing him any favors. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he says, uh, Leo, he gives him an awful sandwich to start with, betrays him with Richard Lewis over some mints when his father took a stroke and potentially choked in the restaurant. For the come with guy, he says, time for redemption for Leo, offering sandwiches and at the end, giving Larry's ultimate choice. Okay, so uh, Owen's mostly on the same page as us. He just kind of double dipping. And uh, yeah, I guess I, I can see that. Um, and for his rating, he gives it three pretties out of five. So he's more in line with us. Uh, Zach alone on his island as being very pro Larry David sandwich. Yeah, the episode. Yes, yes. Nobody is pro the sandwich per se. Although, I, as I said, uh, if you took out the capers, I think I might like that sandwich. Yeah, and also, if this deli is not a uh, kosher deli, like it's kosher style, but if it's not actually kosher, which I assume to be the case, this is probably one of the few sandwiches there that we could actually eat. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely not a kosher deli. Um, it wouldn't shock me if it's kosher style, but it's probably not because people tend to like putting bacon on things. Well, I, it, well, I think deli is by definition kosher style. Kosher style means like a, a deli. Right. But if I think if they have like bacon and ham, then it's no longer kosher style. Well, that's the difference between kosher and kosher style. The fact Right. That, so so yeah. what I'm guessing is that they probably sell bacon there because people yeah. like it yeah. and they'll buy it if you offer it as an option to put yes. it on their sandwich. Yes. Um, all right. So next week. We uh we have the bow tie. Larry will hire a private investigator to determine whether or not he's adopted. Uh, he will offend the lesbian community, and he will adopt a uh, a dog who has uh, a very unwoke dog, I guess we would say. Uh, what's your uh, what's your take on bow ties generally? Uh, I hate all forms of ties. Um, I uh, I recently uh, I actually recently like went on like a job interview and didn't end up working out for lots of reasons. But like they told me that like they have a they had a, they used to have a policy of wearing ties, and I said, "Nope." What year is this? Recently, I'm saying, but they still enforce this policy. Well, they said now because of like COVID, like yeah. they're not they're not enforcing it anymore, and maybe won't come back. And I was like, "Well, you know, this is kind of a non-starter for me because I'm completely allergic to ties." I <laughs> 
it's to me that the ties is one of the dumbest inventions that's ever been made. They serve no purpose other than choking the wearer. Yeah. Um, they like, like Christopher Hitchens used to say people that. are like used to used to ties because like it's just common. But like when you actually think about it, it's a completely ridiculous thing to wear. Like, why are you wearing this thing down the middle of your like it doesn't make any sense. It just it looks really stupid. It's yeah. very uncomfortable. Um, if you try to do the thing where like you open the buttons but still wear the tie, you also look really stupid. Like there's just like no good way to wear a tie. And I'm glad that they're pretty much going by the wayside. Like um COVID yeah, killed the tie. Than, yeah the only time i ever see them is when you know like in synagogue like i don't you know and you know my law firm no one wears a tie like i haven't put on a tie at synagogue other than maybe uh yom kippur or rosh hashanah oh days. i don't but others do yeah i yeah. i don't wear a tie yeah. um i had to When's wear the last a tie time like, you wore a tie at all the last time i wore a tie was my uh was like about a year ago my and my sister-in-law's engagement party uh which was going to go from like two to five and i was told i have to wear a tie and like in a suit whatever so i'm like fine i'll be a team player and the party was from two to five and at five o'clock i went over to my father-in-law and showed him my watch and told him i'm taking off my tie and he said fine what um but what about the bow tie in particular relative to the long tie i am not a fan of the bow tie i think it looks even stupider than a regular tie i like the bow tie in theory i think that as we'll learn next week's episode it's a problem because if you're white and you wear a bow tie you sort of give off a uh, a uh, very conservative republican vibe unfortunately these days Whereas if, if you're black, black and you wear a bow tie, you give off a Nation of Islam vibe. So either yeah. way, it's, it's not, the, the politics associated with the bow tie is not great. But I do I, I enjoy when I go to a black tie wedding because it's the only time I get to, to wear a bow tie. I also I think we're on video. You can see I have a mustache right now, which the mustache yes. is really the bow tie of the face. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Um, so what would, would a would a beard be like a full tie of the face? Yeah. I guess, yeah you need like a, you have a like a full beard. beard. Yes. Would be long a long beard. tie. So and like, I uh, also I like mustaches. Also, my wife strongly disagrees, which I think I think the fact that my wife finds the mustache so offensive is is a primary reason why I think that it's pretty, 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 pretty good.